From the middle of nowhere, southern Tennessee. And northern British Columbia. A Canadian-born American. And an English-born Canadian. I'm Nathan. I'm Miles. And you're listening to... The Distant Runners Podcast. All right, here we are. First episode of the Distant Runners podcast. Uh, So today's episode is going to be looking at how Miles and I got started with running. So Nate, how did you get started with running? Well, uh, we're going way back to when I was in, uh, I think, third grade. I remember my older brother tried out for the cross country team at school and I did as well. I did everything my older brother did at the time. So, uh, yeah, I went out and tried out and I didn't make the team. I don't remember if I like really tried all that hard or it was just too young, but I, I remember I didn't make the team and that kind of bugged me because I have always been pretty good at sports. So, um, flash forward a couple years, uh, when I was in fifth grade, I make the, the team at my new school and, uh, yeah, I, I started running and training with the team. And I remember my first race, uh, first actual cross country race, I think it was three kilometers long. Um, big hill to start off the race. Uh, and I remember that uh, we had this crazy idea as little fifth graders that um, if we waited to go to the bathroom until after the race, that would encourage us to run a little bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, make, we got to race to the to the bathrooms, essentially. But uh, I mean, we've all made that comment before, haven't we? Hey, I, I mean, run so fast because I'm trying to get to the bathroom. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so I, whatever I did to prepare for that race, it worked. Uh, my first cross country race, I finished second place overall behind uh, my teammate and from then on I was hooked uh, you know getting that that medal that second place medal hanging around my neck like the instant success that I had it was just yeah it hooked me and uh, every year since I was in fifth grade I ran I'd run cross country um, all the way until I graduated college uh, and yeah I mean throughout that time uh we you know my school my high school that i went to didn't have track team for the first couple years but they did have cross country um and about the same time that my high school got a track team when i was in 11th grade um, i joined up with the tobacco track club and started really taking running seriously and uh yeah when when i did that you know things kind of it took a little bit longer than I had hoped for, but um, eventually the training and the hard work paid off. And I, I, you know, I found myself competing at Canadian junior national championships in cross country and track, and then um, ran my way to uh, Brock university where, where we met and we'll get into that story later. Um, but from Brock, I ended up uh, having a, a good year and uh earned a scholarship to to our coach's old school uh the university of tennessee at chattanooga and 
and yeah, so I ran four more years for them and yeah, here I am. That's how, I, you know, that's my running origin story. What about you? How did, how did you get into running? Well, I always knew I could run. Um, growing up from a, from a young age, I was always that fast kid who had to run everywhere, but uh, it wasn't until I hit the seventh grade back in 2003 where uh, my, my parents decided I needed a energy outlet for my diagnosed ADHD. Um, so I tried out for the football team, or as you crazy Americans like to call it, the soccer team. Um, <laughs> As an Englishman, I was expecting to make the team. Turns out, I didn't make the team. So, <laughs> so my, uh, my, my fallback solution was I went and joined the cross-country team, where at that point in time, turns out I was fast enough to not have to worry about being cut from the team. Um, raced all over Europe in my first year, from Germany to France. We raced in Austria, Belgium, the Netherlands, we raced over in England. So, you know, as a seventh grade kid getting to run in all those countries, it was pretty, pretty exciting. And uh, it really had me hooked when I realized, you know what, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty good at this stuff. Um, went from running on the cross country team to doing track in the spring and loved that just as much. So Started out my running career with track and field, doing the doing the longer distances, doing the the mile and the two mile run, fifteen hundred and three thousand. Um, really enjoyed them, of course, but was also part of the four by four hundred meter team, and especially loved that. And it wound up becoming my my favorite race in later years was the four hundred. Give me one lap of the track, and I can I could give that all day. I loved it. Um, Too crazy. You're crazy. I am crazy. I am crazy. <laughs> Let's go for an all-out sprint, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Um, but yeah, so wound up running track and cross-country throughout uh, middle school and high school, competing all over Europe, um, winning, some, winning some pretty big races as well, which was uh, very exciting as a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. My parents were my, my biggest supporters through it all. I think throughout six years of competitive running, two seasons a year, my parents maybe only missed two races in six years, which is uh, quite impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I came, came on over to Canada in 2009 for university, and you and I had the joy of, uh, of running underneath Curtis together at, uh, at Brock university with the badges and, uh, turned out my, my speed, unfortunately peaked in high school, but my endurance has done nothing but increase, which is why I now look at the, uh, the long ultra marathon distances as my, as my happy place. I mean, don't (laughs) get me wrong. I'm still fast compared to your average Joe, but I got nothing like the speed that you still have. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, my leg speed just seems to be going, you know, every day I get a little bit slower, I feel like. <laughs> but that's but, the reality uh, of being a runner, isn't it? You know, we start yeah. out, uh, we, we, we peak for the first time in our teen years. It's, it's a fact. You, you can mm-hmm. see it across the board for hundreds of thousands of runners. 
if they start running in middle school or high school, they wind up incredibly fast. And usually the majority of those runners wind up dropping running because it's yep. hard. It takes a lot of your time. It takes commitment. And yep. as we as we grow up, as we become adults and we get more and more responsibilities, we want to have a, a, a sport or an exercise outlet that we can do on our terms and that doesn't take a lot of necessarily a lot of effort to achieve it. And that's mm-hmm. not running. Yeah. And also as you get older, um, being like making those improvements and getting better gets harder. It, it becomes harder to, to maintain your fitness. Uh, it really. So, yeah, but I'm glad you, you brought up your, your parents. Um, I guess that's something that, I didn't, I failed to touch on my, uh, so my dad was a, a pretty, pretty good runner. I think he, he still holds the uh, school record or maybe even the provincial record in Alberta for the 880, uh, the 880 yard. There you go, a race that has not been run competitively in a few years. Which might be why he still holds the record, but. <laughs> we won't tell, we won't tell him that. Exactly. Uh, if you're, I'm sorry. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, he kept telling me, like, he kept pushing me towards running. And, and he's a big reason why I, I did get in, into running and still run today. Um, but I can only imagine his frustration watching me as a kid, uh, you know, push to go play soccer or, as you call it, football um, and, <laughs> uh, and hockey and all these team sports that I really wasn't very good at. Um, and then when I finally found my way into running, like, I'm sure he was so relieved because like, Hey, that's, that's, that was his sport. It very quickly became my sport. So there you go. But but yeah. So, uh, so why do you still run today? Kind of touch. Why do I still run? That's, that's a loaded question for me these days, actually. Um, there, there are a few reasons I run. The, the big one at the moment is it's a massive contributor to improving my mental health. I've been struggling with some depression in the last little while, and running has really helped to keep me uh, from going over the edge, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. But beyond that, I, I relish a challenge. You yes, know, you do. <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to sit complacent. I want to always be challenging myself, whether that be physically or mentally. And running is something that will always challenge me physically. Mm -hmm. Um, Beyond that, I guess I've got one other reason. And that reason is uh, a friend of mine by the name of Steve Sadownik. Now, Steve unfortunately passed away from a heart attack during a training run a number of years ago when he was running up in, uh, up in Jasper provincial park. Um, and uh, Steve is one of those inspirational runners, you know, one, one of those once in a lifetime people that you'll meet that really make you want to better yourself as a runner and as a person. Mm-hmm. And uh, every, every run I do before I start running, I say, you know, Steve, this one's for you. Um, mm-hmm. so, so for me, that's, that's another reason that I still run and that I love my running because I have somebody who continue to inspire me in my later years of running that uh 
you know, I, I want to be as fast as Steve was, but I want to, I want to make sure that I never let go of that passion and joy of running that he always had. Yeah. Gotcha. Duh. How about yourself? Well, um, I think, I think part of me was, you know, when I was, when I was running in college, uh, I, I had this goal of, of, uh, making it to the, um, NCAA national championships. Um, and I came, I came really close and, you know, getting so close to that and then ultimately missing it, um, kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Uh, and I took a couple years off of like competitive running, uh, after I graduated, but then, you know, I figured I can still compete at a really high level. I missed the, the challenge that it was, um, you know, going out there and chasing after, you know, your rivals and, and um, working together to, with those rivals, those same rivals, just to see just what you can accomplish. Um, and so when, uh, when I found out that the National Guard had a marathon team that traveled around the country and, and marath- ran marathons, half marathons, things like that, you know, I thought like, you know, that, that's a good opportunity for me to, um, you know, have something to train for, to really commit to the marathon. Um, and, you know, ultimately it led to this goal that I want, you know, I want to see how far I can make it in the marathon see if I could make it to the uh, Olympic trials to, you know, you know, compete, uh, not, th- not that I ever have any delusions of, of actually making the Olympic team, but just to, to see if I can get there, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. I figured I'm young enough. Uh, you know, I have, I know I had the potential when I was younger. So if I can dig deep, I can find that potential again. And you know, 30 years from now, if I didn't try for it, I'd, you know, I'd have that regret. Um, yeah. But, you know, on top of that, like, running is just, it's therapeutic, like you said, like, it's just it puts me at ease. You know, I could be having the worst day possible, everything could be going wrong. And I can go out there and lose my mind in a run and just everything just melts away. And and it's just me, you know, running along down the road, taking in the beautiful scenery, the nature. And yeah, I mean, that's the, just the thrill of going out there uh, and, and pushing your body through this uh, routine, this, you know, process or the cycle. I mean, left foot, right foot, repeat, right? And it's, it's just so comfortable for me. No, I hear that. It's, uh, it's still definitely a time in the busy lives that we lead where we can escape and be in our own heads and process what life has sent our direction over the course of the day or the week. Um, mm-hmm. It's that, that quiet place where you get to reconnect with you. Exactly. Um, have you ever read the book Once a Runner? absolutely who hasn't exactly right uh so do you remember the part where there there's the high jumper and they uh they're at like a party and he's like jumping like two meters or whatever six feet 
and and it's just like they're playing track and field. I do. Yes. So, so let me ask you this: Have you ever been running down the road and like imagined yourself in a big race and like all the wildlife, or sorry, the like the the plants and stuff that are growing along the edge of the road are like the fans and like giving the high, like a tree branch a high five or anything like that so much yes absolutely <laughs> actually i got it i got it i got a quick story for you i promise it'll only be a fast one but <laughs> um so where i live in northern british columbia we've got a lot of wildlife i mean a lot of wildlife mm-hmm. and it's actually not uncommon for me to be out on a run and to have a moose running alongside me Oh, that's crazy. Um, so I had a, uh, well, the last time I had a moose running with me was probably less than two months ago. Um, but I had one probably three or four years ago now. I was having a great run putting down, I think I was running, I don't know, 340 per kilometer. So whatever that translates to per mile. Um, but I was, I was having a great run. I was feeling it. I was vibing. Sun was out. Shirt was off. It was, it was just good. And out of nowhere, this moose comes out of some trees and he starts running alongside me. And I kid you not, I ran for probably two, three hundred meters with a moose just loping along beside me. And I thought to myself, you know what? This will never happen again and be this cool. Well, yeah. you know, it's happened several times since then. But like, who gets to run with a moose? As apparently and, you do. I've, and, I've never even seen a wild moose. And, and that moose was my competitor. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was going to win. I mean, four legs and about 12 feet tall. He was going to win. But in my <laughs> mind, in my mind, I was whooping him. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i glad it's not me that's, you know, I, I run and, like, I'll imagine giving people high fives as I'm running through, like, plants and stuff and you know i high five tree branches and things and in my mind i'm i'm playing running you know absolutely Um, and it's just like you know when when we're running at that easy pace for us you know what our body is used to it's just so it's fun and it's playful and we can have that that imaginative freedom to to do that but uh so a, a similar story that i have um you know, I was, uh, my first year down at UTC, um, I, I was having a rough year and, um, it was, I remember, you know, I was pretty upset, but, um, I've always had a fascination for hawks, specifically red tail hawks. Like I, I love those birds. Uh, I'm not sure where the, the passion came from, but I love watching them and all that. And, uh, so I remember running, it was a really bad day. And I went out to this, to my favorite trail to run on and um, kind of twisting and winding trail. It was a wide trail. Like uh, they used it for like, like a lot of um, horse riding and stuff was done on that yeah. trail. Uh, but it was through the woods. And um, I remember coming down this little hill into this, like just, straight section probably about 400 meters long just perfectly straight the trees were you know they were tall but it was a nice wide clearing that we were uh running through um and out of nowhere this red tail hawk swoops in and just like glides in front of me 
and he's just <laughs> like I'm I'm like chasing after it um and like I remember oh. that moment was just like you know what I can do this like that's a sign I can I can fight through this rough year that I'm having and and push through the adversity and you know I can come out on the other side a better person for it uh, right. But that was just a message from the from nature itself that I needed to stay, you know. I think you love it when that happens. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, coming, bringing, bringing it back to once a runner. I love that scene where he's running along the road uh, in the fog, and the horses come out of nowhere and run alongside him. Oh, that's awesome! I do that love that one. one. Yeah, that uh, the your moose story reminds me of that. <laughs> it's a fantastic feeling. It truly is. Yeah, I mean, you just feel so like connected to your environment to nature, um, and yeah, I, I mean, I love those experiences with the you know with the wildlife with the animals that that you get, you know, going on foot out into nature. Right. It's uh yeah. It's uh I've had all kinds of crazy experiences with uh with wildlife, um, but nothing as crazy as your moose story. That's that's I'm jealous of that one. <laughs> well, you know what? You will have the opportunity at some point to run with a moose or a bear. Don't the the, the bear the bear is a little bit scarier. I will say that. Um, but the bear the bear runs a. Uh, the ones where you're a little bit puckered whilst you're doing it. <laughs> well, if if we ever find ourselves running from a bear, I'm gonna trip you because I think you've got more foot speed than I do, uh, and can still out sprint me. Um, <laughs> this, so... the, the, the sprints would be a close thing these days, actually. <laughs> I don't All know. I know. You haven't seen it me. It's not try the to day I die. So. <laughs> oh geez yeah so uh if we ever go running up in bear country i mean i guess there's bears around here where i live that is not very common but if we ever go running up in your neck of the woods uh in bear country we need to find someone slow to run with there you go hey my (laughs) little are just walking back through the door hey all right jimmy do you want to say hi to the podcast say hello hello Hi. That, that's the youngest basin runner. She uh, hasn't figured out that she likes running yet, but round and round in tight circles, she's got. So maybe she'll be the track runner of the family. <laughs> and then there's Clara. Clara, are you going to say hi? Hi. And that's hi. the cross-country runner who is uh, very much into her zero running shoes and uh, takes, uh, takes after dad in that sense. All right. I like the sound of that. My uh, My kiddos are... I think they're just waking up from from their nap so um but evan evan loves to run and elliot loves to run evan's probably more built for running than elliot elliot uh we keep saying is going to be our decathlete there you go <laughs> but they yeah they just non-stop running all the time you know uh, i love it but all right. Well, moving on uh, to 
uh, you know, the role that that strength training plays. That's uh, the next discussion topic for this episode. Yeah. So uh, I guess the question for you as the the kinesiologist, the expert, um, you know, what areas of strength training would you say are, you know, most important for a runner? Oh, that is such a loaded question because strength training for for endurance athletes is uh, it's a bit of a minefield, to be honest. Um, it depends what your discipline is, whether you're a track runner or a cross country runner, um, as to how you're strengthening yourself, whether you're a hundred meter runner on the track or a three K steeplechase kind of runner. But I will say this as a more of a, a blanket statement for it. Um, if you do not have the plyometric strength to go above and beyond what your normal competition expectations are, how are you going to improve? So let, let me clarify what I mean by that. Um, Let's take a carpenter, for instance. A carpenter is on his feet all day, every day, bending over, lifting up heavy stuff, lots of movement involved. Mm-hmm. And that carpenter might say, my work keeps me in shape. But if that same carpenter then wanted to go and um, go and build a house on their own, and they usually have a team of people with them who help them get better at building and who increase productivity if they now have to go and build that house on their own their body had been running at let's say 50 percent of what it needs to build that home on a daily basis they think that they're fit enough to go and build the house but actually they're not so Mm -hmm. whenever it comes to strength training you need to push yourself a little bit harder than you think you do um i personally spend three to five sessions a week in the gym and um my my legs have never felt better bear in mind i'm running on an acl and a meniscus injury on my right knee Um, i I am crazy i should have massive amounts of inflammation and i should have uh, consistent underlying pain but because i'm strengthening my muscles so my support system sufficiently those uh, those injuries are able to heal as I continue on with my training because I've given my body enough of a load. So I'm, I'm stressing my body enough between running and lifting that running on its own is not enough of a stressor on my body to cause that mass amount of inflammation. Mm-hmm. So for those of you out there who say, oh, I'm injured, I have to stop, I have to stop running. I challenge you this. Maybe what you need to do is incorporate some more strength training into your routine to build up those stabilizers to the point that you can keep running at less of an intensity and not decondition. Because is that not the goal that we all aim for? as Mm -hmm. long distance runners or medium or even short distance runners, you know, you take those few days off because you have to, because you're injured and you already suffer deconditioning during that time. Mm 
Or what if we set ourselves up for success from the get-go and built up a good base-level strength so that we can train through an injury rather than take complete rest? I like it. I like it. And, you know, on a similar note, um, you know, just my personal approach is um, basically like when you run, you are subjecting your body to stress. And because running is such a repetitive motion, um, you know, anytime you're you step different or you know your move you you move your muscles in a way that they're not used to moving it adds to that level of stress oh absolutely and so if you're going you know short distances you might go through the the movements of uh running like you know 1000 times 1000 steps right that's 1000 times that you're subjecting your muscles to those little bits, little bursts of stress. And that might be easy enough for you to handle. You might be there, right? Then you up it to, you know, 5,000 steps. And what you don't notice is that, you know, if you're stepping funny with your right foot, well, now you're adding five times the amount of stress for that run to your right foot. And that's where a lot of injuries will come from is as people push themselves further and longer, their body's not ready to handle those little increments of stress that add up over those 5,000 steps. Absolutely. Um, and so that's where your form comes into play. And from everything that I've experienced, form for a runner starts in their core and their hips. And, Absolutely. and so if there's, you know, strength training is important for runners. I am guilty of not doing enough strength training and I know it and I'm working to correct that issue. But if you do one thing and one thing only for your running, that's not running work on your core, develop that core because that is where, you know, almost every injury that I've seen and worked with runners on stems from weakness in their core where they cannot hold their form together properly enough for the distance that they're trying to run. Yeah, I'd, I I definitely, definitely agree that the core is critical. Um, almost on par with that is foot form, though. Um, yeah. And that's that that could be five podcast sessions in and of <laughs> itself. And we will exactly. get to that at one point. So I won't go into it in, in depth today. But you guys can look forward to in a future session a discussion about foot mechanics and appropriate footwear for running. Because there is no one size fits all when it comes to footwear when it comes to uh strength training and mobility training for your feet Mm -hmm. it's uh it's a wonderful subject area and we may even be lucky enough to have a uh 
an expert or two join us for that podcast, um, we'll keep you tuned on that one. Yeah, that's that's one topic that I think, you know, both of us are really passionate about and and one that I'm really looking forward to, to digging in um, and exploring a, a little bit more. But like you said, that's that's for another time. Um, so let's move on to uh, the workout of the episode. Um, oh, we're going to we're going to go with your 10 by, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to start with I'll, I'll start with the start us off with one of my favorite workouts. Um, I hate it because it's it's hard, um, but it's a it's a great workout for a number of different reasons. Um, so a 10 by 400. That's the workout. Uh, I call it a cycle workout. I, I don't know. Other people might call it something different, but basically um, you start your 400 meter interval every three minutes or every four minutes, depending on your, you know, your rest, your body, where you're at it could be five minutes, but whatever, whatever time distance or time interval you choose, you, you keep it that way for the entire time. So I start my watch and I start my 400 and I have three minutes until I start my next 400. Um, and I do it on uh, easy, hard, easy, hard, you know, alternating between intervals. Um, and by easy, it's not like I'm jogging. It's, you know, a, still a, a very good effort, but it's not all out. Um, let's so, let's talk percentages on that. What sort of percentage are you looking at? So easy, you're probably looking at like 75 to 80 percent, uh, you know, top speed. So another way we could look at it is you're you're looking more at your uh, probably closer to your 3K, 5K pace on your easy intervals. And then the hard intervals, you're looking at like 95 to 100 percent. And uh, that'd be closer to your uh, four to 800 meter pace. Oh, there you go. So they are solid, uh, solid efforts on the hard ones. They need to be hard and fast. Um, The good thing about the cycle workouts is, you know, the faster you run it, the more rest you get. Um, And so, you know, if you, if you run a 90 second 400, you only have 90 seconds of recovery if you're doing a three minute cycle. But if you run a a 70 second 400, uh, you're giving yourself uh, a minute 50 recovery. Right. Um, So it's uh, it's a great workout. It kind of pushes you into that lactic uh, area where you're, you're really suffering from the anaerobic exercise. Um, but then you get a little bit of rest and recovery to kind of work your way back down and then you go back into it. So you're really pushing that threshold. So it's great for building that. Um, but the other thing and uh, that my coach, my club coach with the Tobacco Track Club would use this for um, is our, he, he used it as a predictor for our 1500, 1600 pace. So uh, sure. You take your average time for each of these 10 400s, and whatever it averages out to, 
that is the pace that you should use as like kind of your goal for per lap for the, uh, you know, 1500, 1600. Um, and, uh, I'll give a, a, an example of that. Um, the, one of the last times I ran that workout for him, uh, I ran a, um, my hard intervals were between 55 and 59, I think 58, 59. Uh, and my easy intervals were between, um, 67 and 70 seconds. There you Uh, go. And whatever it was worked out to about 61, 62 seconds average, somewhere in that range. Um, and then a couple weeks after that, yeah, pretty, pretty quick. A couple weeks after that, I ran 354 for the 1500, which is pretty much that pace, 61 to 62 range. Works Uh, out well on average. Yeah. And the, the good thing about that workout is you can, you know, you do it at the beginning of your season, you kind of get a, a feel for where you're at. You do it towards the end of the season, you can kind of measure your growth, but then it also gives you those goal lap times for your important races at the end of the season. Yeah. So, hey, with that yeah. in mind, let's, let's have a quick think. There are going to be some listeners today who do not have a big running background like you and I who Mm -hmm. might want somewhere to start. We'd just like to make it clear that this workout, whilst it is an incredibly challenging workout, this can be done by anybody. Whether you are brand new to running or whether you've got a 20-plus year running pedigree like Nathan and myself, you can get into this at the very, very beginning stages of trying out running because it is a good predictor but it's also a good measurement point to show you where you started and where you can get to eventually. So Mm -hmm. we always encourage our athletes, whether you're first time runner or whether you've been doing it for years to keep a training log. And it can be as simple as a spiral bound book or a little notepad that you keep in your bedside table. Make a note of your distances of your split times of how things felt, of any tweaks Mm -hmm. that might have been there. Rely upon those uh, apps such as Strava or Track My Run or the Mm -hmm. Garmin app. Make sure that you're putting notes in there because those notes are something that you can come back to months or even years down the line to refer back to. Case in point, I injured my left knee meniscus about five years ago, six years ago now, and I was able to pinpoint the day on which i injured it despite the fact that it was not an acute injury that came down to one specific movement so keeping a good log is critical folks and you know to expand on that too um with a lot of the the athletes that i've worked with um you know developing your routine is so important to help combat nerves come race day absolutely and as you learn to you know what works for you what doesn't work for you looking back at those uh you know your training logs and stuff that is so critical in helping you develop your routine um to make sure that like all right so if you had a bad race look back at those training logs 
see what went wrong, what didn't work. Compare the, the you know the weeks leading up to it to your training logs from when you had a good race, and yeah. and see what works and develop what works for you, um, because you know especially when relating to nerves, um, what I found is as I got more comfortable racing and you know less a victim of you know that those nervous feelings it was it all came from knowing that i've been there before and feeling comfortable and knowing that i was prepared absolutely Uh, so that's where those training logs really come in into play is is helping you develop that that routine and, and find that sense of comfort that alleviates the nervous feelings yeah so Nate, before we get to our tip of the uh, tip of the episode here, I do have a question for you. Shoot, have you at some point over the years had a specific song that you would play on repeat during your warm up, so that you had a song in your head that you would have that would stay there whilst you were racing? All the time. Oh my gosh, I can't. I, okay. I can sit here and list all the songs. Um, no, you got you got to give us one. You got to give us one, mate. What's the right. one go-to? So, it's uh, I'll give a little story behind it. Um, so I was uh, running a race at York University over the summer. It was a steeplechase uh, race, and it was, um, you know, I was one that I was really looking forward to. I had just run. It was shortly after my 354, 1500, um, or maybe it was just before that. But either way, it was, you know, that same summer I, I had been training well, I was in great shape and I was, it was a really hot day. I was running up against my rival from uh, Mississauga track club, Chris Dulhunty, uh, cool. who um, I had never beat in the steeplechase. He had beat me every single time, like, by less than half a second, mostly, um, but just would just narrowly beat me. And I was, you know, this is going to be one of my last times racing against him. Um, and I really, really wanted to, to beat him. Um, so I was, you know, really combating those nerves that time. And so I was just listening to some music as I was warming up. And um, this song came on and it was a mashup that I had downloaded off uh, this little, like, I guess like a DJ's website. Um, And it was called Soul of Fireflies. Um, So this song was a mashup between, it basically had uh, the music of Train's Soul Sister. Yeah. With the words of Owl City's Firefly. Oh, that'd be cool. It was it was a really cool song. Um, just a burn, and, hey? Yeah, and I just like that song came on, and I remember pulling out my MP3 player. Remember those days? Oh yeah. Uh, and I set it to repeat, and that was all <laughs> I listened to, like for like the the next hour. That was all I listened to, um, and yeah, like that song just it's not like super fast paced or anything. You know, like a lot of people will listen to their pump up music. That's, uh, you know, like high energy guilty. Yeah. This song just chilled me out and kept me calm and relaxed. And, um, 
when I got out there to run that race, that was still to this day, one of my best steeplechase performances. I beat Chris finally first time ever beating him. And the only time I beat him in a steeplechase race, Um, but I beat him and yeah, I ended up running, I think it was nine 16 that day, which was my PR you know, personal best for a long time in the steeplechase. Um, but yeah, that, that song. And like, I think I could probably find it on maybe on YouTube or something now, if I really looked for it, but like, I wish I could have that song back because that song just, uh, gets me ready for a race. There you go. What my, you? uh, What's my, yours? my guilt, my guilty go-to is a little bit more simple it's uh seven nation army by the white stripes ah uh, yeah and uh it all comes down to the beat mm-hmm. so that beat is a perfect perfect beat to warm up to and then to race to and so obviously i never i've never raced with music in my ears before i've I literally never done it mm-hmm. but uh as far as warm-up goes i would play that song on repeat for an hour before every single race whether it was cross country or track and field every single race i had that song in my head for probably probably four years seventh eighth ninth and tenth grade before i stopped listening to music with every warm-up because i needed to be paying attention to other people Mm -hmm. um but yeah that was that was my go-to and it it still does it for me. Still, still works out quite nicely. Yeah, that I mean, that one has been on my, you know, race prep playlists many times. Um, there you go. It's that cadence and just getting really getting that beat in your head, and then I don't know. For me, well, I don't know if it's always the beat. Sometimes it's the the words, the lyrics, but um, whatever. Something about the music, you know, when we get to those moments in the race where we just feel awful and we're exhausted. It's so soothing for, to, you know, for our minds just to go back to that, that beat and and focus on that instead of the, the pain of doing what we're doing. You are so right. So before we get to signing off here, I'd like to share a little, a little tidbit a little tip of the day for our listeners. And the tip of the day is really quite simple. We all get caught up in whether our training is perfect, whether our pace was right, whether our heart rate was in the right zone, whether we were feeling good, whether we were rested enough, hydrated enough. At the end of the day, that, that all of those pieces are important. But the most important thing that you can take away from training is time spent on your legs is never time wasted. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. Time spent on your legs is never time wasted. So if you're moving, you're getting out there and you're training, it could be the worst training run you've had in months. It's still a good training run because you are still doing it. You're still putting in the effort. So my encouragement to you, keep doing what you're doing, keep moving. Keep putting in the mileage, even if it sucks. It's worth it. Yep. My my club coach had a philosophy for our long runs. Uh, 
that he he didn't care how fast you ran. He did he didn't want you running very fast. He told us, you know, at at most do a conversational pace, like where you can maintain conversation. Um, but he's like, I don't care if you walk. Go out there and get the that prolonged effort in because that's what you need. So yeah. yeah. Just to echo your sentiment there that, yeah, just putting in the time is, is, is never a bad idea. It really is not. All right, Miles. I think uh, that about wraps up our first episode. Um, you know, I'm really excited to get to some of the other episodes that we've got planned. Um I could sit here and talk talk running with you for for hours, but uh, uh, you know I think it's about time that I go for my long run, anyways. So you and I both, I got to go do it in the rain. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll take the blame for that one because uh, I distracted you with this. But uh, all right, best man. distraction I've had this week, my friend. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Well, until next time. Until next time. From the distant runners, just remember, it's a simple process. Right foot, left foot, repeat. Now get to training. <laughs>